Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly and Katrina Blowers with you for The Briefing. And in this episode, the rise and fall of F45. From celebrity endorsements and a $2 billion listing on the New York Stock Exchange, its share price is now 90% down. There are dozens of Australian franchises for sale and F45 branded equipment is being sold off on Gumtree and Marketplace. You're so proud to open the boxes when you got them. (laughs) Now they're sitting on Facebook Marketplace. Look, I really feel for the franchisees. I think it's, you know, in business, you don't wish that upon anyone. Like, that is just gut-wrenching. So, will F45 collapse or can it rebuild? We'll find out how much trouble it's in and what went wrong. That is our briefing. First, today's headlines. It's Tuesday, the 14th of March. Anthony Albanese is announcing the single biggest leap of defence capability in Australian history this morning when he unveils the AUKUS roadmap. AUKUS has been a lot of of hard work, but it is in the three countries' interests. Yeah, so the PM has been in San Diego with the US President Joe Biden and the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak to discuss this AUKUS defence deal. Australia is buying up to five American submarines. They're those second-hand ones. And then some UK-designed subs will eventually be built in Australia in Adelaide, creating 20,000 jobs. Yeah, so as we're talking big on defence on one side of the Pacific Ocean, um, over the other, China's President Xi Jinping has given given this speech, his first in securing his third term as leader. We must build the People's Armed Forces into a great wall of steel that effectively safeguards national sovereignty and security. Yes, the Great Wall of Steel versus AUKUS. Um, The battle is shaping up. So he warned he won't tolerate pro-independence activity in Taiwan or any external interference and China's also saying that the AUKUS deal is a serious nuclear proliferation risk. I think a lot of people will be analysing the language he used in that speech very, very closely. Um, some pretty tough talk there. Yeah. And how do you feel about the subs? To me, it seems like a lot of money on stuff we won't get for decades. Yeah, and I guess you've got to ask the question of what they're going to be used for and why. Like, why are we spending so much money on submarines? I know a lot of uh, talk has been about the jobs aspect, but apparently people in Australia at this point in time aren't highly skilled enough to build them anyway. We don't have enough people specialised in that particular area. I'm sure that can change, but yeah, bit of a bit of a curious one. Mm. And the US government has stepped in to guarantee all of the bank deposits at the collapsed Silicon Valley Bank. The bottom line is this. Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe. Your deposits are safe. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. So the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank was actually quickly followed by the collapse of another bank, Signature Bank, which is a New York crypto-focused institution, Biden said they are protecting depositors without rewarding executives and investors, and this is not a bank bailout like we witnessed in 2008. Yeah, a lot of talk too from economists who think that this financial scare could in fact lead to a lower peak of official interest rates here and the chance that rate rises could even be reversed sooner than expected. Bit of a silver lining, but I guess it is the high interest rates that that led to this whole debacle Mm, in the first place. That's right. I mean, so many people um, were making business and investment decisions 
based on the lower interest rate environment we were in. And this has been a, a record rate hiking cycle um, and it's just blown a lot of people up. And if that continues, we could be in real trouble. So I'm not surprised they're thinking about pulling back on that rate hiking schedule. Rabbitohs star Latrell Mitchell has spoken out about being racially abused last Thursday. A 15-year-old is reported to have shouted the racial slur at the fullback during the halftime break of South Sydney's 16-10 loss to Penrith. Mitchell has told News Corp racial abuse is unfortunately something that I've had to deal with my whole life, both on and off the field. And the only way to stop this abuse continuing is for people to call it out immediately, just as the Panthers players and my teammates did on Thursday night. So the NRL and the New South Wales Police are investigating the incident. There are conflicting reports about what was actually mm. said and uh, there is no audio of this incident, which I guess makes it even harder to investigate. Yeah, well, let's hope there's no more of this. Let's hope there's no booing. Um, let's hope that everyone gets around um, the Indigenous Rugby League players, you know, the fans. And as Latrell Mitchell said, Obviously, his own teammates, but also the other the other players on the field, which appears to have been what's happened this time. So, that is a good thing. And Enid Blyton's famous five series of books uh, is being rewritten, with certain phrases being removed, including "shut up," "don't be an ass," "don't be an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> So these books... Um, I'm offended, Tom. I'm offended by you saying this to me. <laughs> wow, so we can't even read out what the changes are without... Oh, this is difficult, this, isn't it? This is crazy. So I think this is my take on this, that oh, I, I get that some of these books do need to be updated to reflect, especially when language is offensive or it could be racially motivated now. But... Ina Blyton's books have been rewritten that many times over the years. Uh, one of the characters, I think, in The Famous Five, five years ago, she used to play with dolls and they changed it so she was playing with teddies. Okay, fair enough. Was that, but my was that, take on this is... Was that Fanny or was that one of the other ones? <laughs> I, I think it was Anne, actually. <laughs> yeah. Next, next we're going to have Fanny's name changed. But my take on this is most people hand these books down throughout generations. Like I've got the copies that my mum gave to me from when she was a little kid. And it's one of those heirloom things. So publishers need a reason for people to buy the new copies. So that's why I reckon Ina Blyton's books are being updated every couple of years with changes like these ones that they probably could have made two years ago or five years ago. Ah, so it's a marketing stunt, you reckon? Interesting theory. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll just drive up the prices of the old versions, these X-rated versions with words like shut up. <laughs> Woo! And everything, everywhere, all at once has swept this year's Oscars. The film has won seven awards, including Best Picture, Best Director and Best Supporting Actor. It also made history with Michelle Yeoh becoming the first Asian woman to win Best Actress. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, <laughs> this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. Ah, oh, so beautiful. Um, it surprised me that Elvis didn't win anything. I mean, it was up mm. for eight nominations. Mm. Um, 
Nothing. Also, there was a Brisbane guy, 26-year-old guy who was over there. I interviewed his family back here in Brisbane yesterday. They were so, so excited for him. 26-year-old guy who wrote a and made a short animation film. But honestly, the fact that he's now been nominated for an Oscar for a film that he made in his mum's lounge room is epic and really has paved the way for his career. And are you going to go out and see everything everywhere all at once? It sounds quite intriguing and it's an incredible result of the Oscars. Oh, for sure. You know, it was out at the movies last year and then I think they took it off the screens, but now it's back. And another little random fact for you is that winning an Oscar generally makes your revenue for a film go up by 250%. Mm. So, yeah, pretty smart of them to bring it back into cinemas for a second bite. Yeah, well, that's often what we do and we can't find something to watch. I'll just look through last year's Oscar winners and think, oh, you know, what haven't I seen yet? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, this one, yeah, I don't know. A bit of sci-fi, a laundromat. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> that intrigued. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting watch anyway. All right, in a moment, talking F45. So, Katrina, have you ever done F45? I've done it once, and that's because a mate of mine still runs an F45 gym. It's a hugely successful one in Brisbane. He used to be a police officer, and he just he's one of those people who made quite a bit of money. Um, he even bought a Maserati. Wow. Um, his is still going really, really well. He's got a very dedicated clientele. I've got to say, group fitness isn't really for me, but I have so many mates who just love F45. Yeah, I've seen it do wonderful things for people's fitness and it actually kind of really appeals to me now, which is funny given it's, you know, <laughs> been going for 10 years. I'm a bit behind the trend, but I'm like, hang on, yeah. 45 minutes, high intensity, you do it in a group, a great idea. Well, and a lot of people thought so. I mean, this started with one gym back in Sydney in 2012 mm. and it's unbelievable how quickly it became a cult at the peak of its powers in July 2021, one of the founders, Adam Gilchrist, not the cricketer, stood alongside its most famous investor actor, Mark Wahlberg, and rang the bell on the New York Stock Exchange. It was valued at $2.37 billion. Since then, though, the share price has plummeted 90%. Yeah, it's it's not a pretty picture. Um, here in Australia, about a dozen F45 gyms have collapsed and the creditors are selling off the equipment to try and recoup some of the losses. Around 50 franchises are believed to be for sale. So we're talking about 10% of the total gyms in Australia, they're in a bit of trouble. Um, On top of that, uh, celebrities who endorse the brand like David Beckham and Greg Norman are suing them saying that they haven't been paid. So what's happened? Scott Phillips is the Chief Investment Officer for Motley Fool, an investment news and advice service. The pace of growth itself is probably, I think, almost certainly unsustainable. That is, if you grow this quickly, how do you maintain quality control? It's very possible that the franchises for sale are from people who largely either should not have taken a franchise because they weren't suitable, weren't qualified, it wasn't appropriate for them, or they weren't appropriate for their customers, or simply a case of too many franchises in too small an area. Yeah, so Scott Phillips there highlighting the growth strategy being a big part of the problem. I think it was also the collision of the growth strategy with the pandemic. But I guess 
What everyone's wondering is, did the product itself have problems? Mm. Dan Bova says yes, and he should know. He ran F45 gyms for eight years before he sold out two years ago to start his own gym franchise called The Yard, which has opened six gyms with many more on the way. Dan, thanks for joining us. What did you notice? Where did you see F45 going wrong? For me, it was probably just more the innovation side. They didn't innovate for me. You know, I just was so passionate about the industry, but also, you know, the product that I was delivering to my clients. I wanted the ability to, to create and right. to innovate and keep moving forward and keep up with the industry. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest problems I could see at that time, just even to the, to the point of like just offering the latest pieces of equipment. The whole industry's using a specific product and the biggest fitness franchise in the world wasn't. So what just, products that? You know, just these simple, you know, assault bikes, ski ergs, um, just general cardio equipment, functional cardio equipment. They were probably saying, you know, not allowed these pieces of equipment, you can't offer this product. And the whole industry is moving in a certain way, but we won't, we'll stuck. So again, yeah, just simple things like that, you know, day-to-day things that you would think would be a no-brainer. But the, for some reason, they just didn't have the ability to kind of implement those, those pieces of equipment. As you saw that, that growth kind of skyrocket, did you have any concerns around kind of who they were allowing in as franchisees? Yes and no. Like the brand and the way you set up your studio, ultimately, you know, you're set up to do a certain thing, right? So the biggest thing is the personalities. They kind of, you know, it's hard to tell at times, you know, you think these guys are absolute legends and then, and then you know, they open up the doors and they, they could be a little bit of a headache at times, you know, um, and as time goes on, people kind of, you know, you start to see little different kind of personality traits and things like that. Um, but I don't think it's too much a worry because, you know, to even get to the point of opening a gym, you've got to go through a lot of hurdles and you've got to go through a lot of, uh, I guess there's a lot of financial commitments. So in hindsight, it looks like you got out at a pretty good time about two years ago because yeah. a lot of the trouble has happened yeah. since. So yeah. you know a lot about F45. Mm. We're seeing... Big signs of trouble. We've seen a massive collapse in their share price. And Mm. then on a local level here in Australia, we're looking at, the figures are a little bit hard to ascertain, but we're looking at about a dozen franchises that have shut down and potentially around 50 that are for sale Mm. of about 500 gyms across Australia. Mm. So is this just cleaning out some of the underperforming operators or do you think it's in big trouble? It's really hard to tell, right, because the ones that maybe are shutting down have the ability to get out of their lease, say, right? So if you can get out of your lease and your franchise, so-called agreement, then the timing might work out for those 12 that have, that have you know, they've chosen to move on. So they've kind of exited at, at a nice time for themselves and, you know, they've gone on to, you know, do something different. The ones that are for sale... Generally, you know, there could be more than 50 that want out. Do you think there's more? Well, it's hard to tell, you know. I think there probably is. A lot of people think, you know, the hands in the air kind of thinking, you know, where is this heading? I think the, you know, from what I can see, I've spoken to a few people that there's just a lack of communication and leadership from the top. And I think that is a worrying sign for someone on ground level. But I feel like at the moment they're probably lacking that little bit of um, transparency with each other, but also, the, you know, the leadership as well. Is it struggling or collapsing? I think it's probably struggling and I think if I think time will tell if it's going to collapse. 
a lot of people have asked me recently, you know, do they think it's going to last another, you know, two years, three years, four years? I think it's really hard to tell. I know that they've recently um, gained, I think, 90 mil. Yeah, um, but got some extra finance to help yeah, with the cash flow. Yeah, but it's debt, right? So they've still got to service that. It's not like it's mm. upfront capital. In a high interest rate environment. Very, yeah. I mean, I don't think the article that I read let on the interest rates or the, the terms around that 90 mil, but um, I can't imagine it being very cheap. But was it really possible for F45 to tank what they did here and tank it around the world and make it work in all those different markets and, mm. and grow at such a big, big rate? Well, I mean... They're starting to see probably a little bit of a movement at the moment where they're starting to maybe lose 5%, 10%, but they're still in the position they're in, you know, so they have achieved a lot at the same time. And to me, you know, even though what's happening at the moment where they've probably lost their way a little bit, you know, they lost their founders. I think that was probably a big mm. turning point too, which I think people don't really talk about also, is that just before COVID, they lost their founders. You know, when did the, when did the founders get out? Right at the end of 2019 or right at the start of 2020, they lost their, their key people. I think now that we're through that COVID period and we're starting to see the byproduct of maybe the founders getting out just before COVID. You know, COVID might have had been a bit of a blanket to what that was. So I think, yeah, I think you've really got to think about that as well. As someone who used to live and breathe F45, how does it make you feel when you see the branded products and gym equipment mm. being flogged off on Marketplace and yeah. Gumtree? Yeah, really surreal, hey. It's like you look at it, you're like, you know, you're so proud to open the boxes when you got them. Mm. <laughs> now they're sitting on Facebook Marketplace. Look, I really feel for the franchisees. I think it's, you know, in business, you don't wish that upon anyone. Like that is just gut-wrenching the, the thing that anyone would ever lose their livelihood or implement their family's ability to live or put food on the table. That's just, you just don't want to see that anywhere. But again, you know, you, you just don't know about the implementation of, of their ground business structure. You know, there's a lot of poor operators out there that are tired, that maybe aren't in the bill, they don't want to reinvest. They, they don't want to throw another two, 300 grand into doing a new gym fit out and, and going again and, and creating that whole, you know, new environment, which I think that's probably where F45 is at right now is that all the franchisees have to start to reinvest. So could you be ringing the bell one day? You know, you're looking at building a massive business. You could float on the stock exchange or are you, or you're planning to keep it more local? I see that you're already opening up a couple of um, gyms in the US. So yeah. what journey are you on? Yeah, so definitely do not want to hit the stock exchange. <laughs> I don't think that's for me. I think that's a big um, a big kind of playing factor in, in where they're at. F45 is at today. I think that's probably that they shouldn't have done that. But definitely, yeah, definitely for me, it's all about making sure, again, everywhere we go, we continue to deliver the yard. We deliver the product it is. We don't cut corners in the product, in the fit out. And it's all about getting good people on board. You know, we don't have a lot of territories like F45. You know, we don't have 600 in Australia, 700 in Australia. Um, We've only got 200 to 250. And we just want passionate, driven people. You know, I've got a general rule that you're not allowed to own more than two yard gyms. Where did it get to with F45? Did people own a lot more than that? Yeah, I've, yeah, people coming in and buying like seven. It's a big investment. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I have mates who were leaving their jobs, you know, yeah. some were police officers and getting in and buying Maseratis within six months. So it just looked like a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, if you're passionate about the industry, then it's achievable because 
you've got the tools. That's what franchising is all about is that, you know, if you're passionate about business and you're passionate about the product, you know, the franchise, the franchise all and the franchise company should be able to give you the tools to, to deliver the product and deliver the service, you know, and that's what we've really worked hard on is making sure we've got like, you know, financial modules, we've got social media modules, performance modules, right. um, you know, because everyone has their strength. In business, you know, it's about finding your weakness and working at it. And for us, it's about finding the right module to support our franchisees. That was Dan Bover from The Yard. Interesting to hear that he's got his own growth strategy. There'll be many more franchises of The Yard popping up over the next few months. Um, I guess he's witnessed some of the big mistakes and hopefully he'll be able to learn from them. I guess too, you're going to have former franchisees uh going out on their own, a bit like Dan, who've learned the, you know, the nuggets of gold from the F45 model and, and where it went wrong and how they can improve too. I don't think group fitness is dead. No. I think F45 still has its hardcore fans, mates of mine, you know, going to the more successful ones and they've formed communities there. So that's got to count for a lot. Yeah, I hope it does survive. It's a great Australian success story. And I think some of the things that it offers will never die. I think it sort of re-energised the idea of group fitness. And it also found this really interesting price point. You know, it was more expensive than a gym, but cheaper than a personal trainer. And it Mm. offered a bit of both. And I think that is a really good market. And that market will continue to be lucrative for whoever can get the formula right. Listener.